Welcome to the Beyond Jiu-Jitsu podcast, episode number 38. What's up, K-Dog? What's up, Adam? You are joined by Kieran Lefebvre, white belt under the great and powerful Adam Charles. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Black belt, owner of Alliance Sydney. Yep, yep, yep. Extraordinaire. Today, we are given tips and tricks. No, that's wrong. Not tips and tricks, but we're talking about... uh, what do you need to know as a white belt to not get DQ'd, to Ooh. not get disqualified mm. uh, when you compete, which also lines up with not being a dick in the gym kind of yeah. because the things that get you DQ'd are usually against the rules exactly. because they are there for safety reasons. For most of these things that we're going to cover though, that would also apply to blue belt and purple belt, right? Essentially, yeah, because yeah. Uh, it will depend on the rule set. Mm-hmm. However... Most organizations kind of have uh, the same rules for white, blue, and purple, and then they tend to change it brown and black belt to allow more ad- advanced techniques. Right. Um, so, yeah, y- usually by, by blue and purple, though, you've usually learned these things that you perhaps have not learned at white belt. Uh, before we go in, though, last episode, episode 37, we had Fabricio on the podcast who is the owner of the new Alliance Gym, well, opened in 2021, right? If anyone from the future is listening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Alliance Northern Beaches, which is in Balgala, over near DY-ish area in the north of Sydney. Uh, so if you want to learn more about Fabricio's history, training in Brazil, moving over to Australia, opening a gym here, yeah. uh, you can check that out. However, today, before we continue, wait, wait, wait. This Adam's episode. just cracking a beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm thirsty. This episode is sponsored by, what's this, Frantel? Never even heard sponsored of Frantel. Sponsored by soda water. Sponsored by, by the- Zero sugar, sparkling water with a hint of tropical passion fruit. And beer. That is an odd flavor for a beer, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I've, I've got a, a friend who is super into the- the, all those craft beers, right, that have become uh, massively yes. popular yeah. over the last, I don't know, whatever, like five, ten years. Yeah. They weren't a thing before I moved to Brazil. Mm. It was just your, I guess, lager or whatever, standard yeah. beer. It weren't as popular at least, yeah. Man, they're like everywhere now. And he, mm. oh, dude, he drinks beers that, like, I don't know, I think they taste and smell the same. As you know how if you're making bread, yeah. you usually have to like, what do they call it? Like uh, activate the yeast yeah. first. Like you leave it soaking in some warmish water until mm-hmm. it bubbles and that shows that the yeast is alive. It meant it's like the beer is just a yeast sludge. It smells and tastes so rank of yeast. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, man, the yeastier the better. Like it's so gross. So hoppy, so yeasty. Yeah, yeah. he's like, oh, the hops. I'm like, yeah. so, <laughs> so gross. My brother's a bit the same, you yeah. know, just likes the really sort of, he's like, yeah, man, it's got flavor. And I'm like, yeah, yeast, it's fucking gross, bro. <laughs> Fuck off. The yeast. And he doesn't have pineapple on pizza. So oh, what okay, does he even know? Anyway, uh, he knows nothing about flavor and taste. Yeah, get out of my house. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but today, getting DQ'd. How how do I not get DQ'd? So my understanding. This will be a short episode. Learn the rules, you dumbasses. Well, man, I tried. They're quite okay. complicated. I was about to say before my first comp, I decided. Hang on a minute. I don't even know the fucking rules. So I just 
tried to read the IBJJF rule set, my God, there is, I mean, they have simplified versions for like, you know, don't do these things with pictures and shit like that and images and, you know, they make it as easy as possible. Yeah. But if you were to go through and read all the rules, particularly as a, as a white belt, what I'd been training for three months at that point, I didn't even know half the positions, let alone what I couldn't, couldn't do. So yes. I think the biggest takeaway that I got out of it is to avoid all anything to do with leg locks in general and I'll be sweet. Yeah, you could say that. And I don't mean, jump that's, guard. <laughs> that, yeah, that's pretty sound advice for, for white belts because there's only one particular leg lock, foot lock that you're allowed to do yeah. at white belt. Again, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change from competition to, to competition because they, they vary their rule sets. But uh, if we look at IBJJF to start, there is two different types of fouls, right? There are fouls that are minor fouls and they, they award you a penalty. And, you know, if you accrue enough penalties, then you'll get disqualified. Okay, right. so a minor foul... So it doesn't be- affect the overall score of the match. Only if points and advantages are tied. Ah. And so if it's two points each, one advantage each, but I've got one penalty and you have zero, you would win. Right. So right? they don't cancel out. So if we both had two points and I had two advantages and you had one, but I had one foul, it's not like a foul no, takes away an advantage. No, you, okay. no, you would still win because right. yeah, they're only relevant if the, the Everything's even. everything else is tied. Right. Uh, so, so a minor foul would be something like, uh, like gripping the inside of the sleeve or the inside of the pants. Oh, like, right, or putting like your putting fingers, your fingers inside, inside that yeah. you're not allowed to do. Um, you know, another minor foul might be, you know, uh, a snap down that is starting to borderline looking like you're striking your opponent. You know. Um, so you mean like if you're standing or something, you're coming up with your your partner and instead of like grabbing onto the neck and snapping it down, you're kind of just swinging it to snap down? Yeah, yeah. Like you know, a, so yeah. And then you've got – Does that apply to kicks as well? You know when someone's on the ground and, and like they're, they're in their guard or what have you and they're trying to push away, can that be penalized if it's starting Ooh, to know. be I've like a bit of a kick? That. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. I've thought about that before. Yeah, I mean potentially I guess so. Never really thought about it. Uh, and then you have severe fouls, which are instant disqualification. And some of these depend on your belt and some are just across the board. Okay. okay. So an example of a severe foul would be in de- for lower belts and a lot of rule sets would be leg reaping. Leg reaping as a whole is when you – to try to simplify it for people who most people should know what leg reaping is by now, but assume they don't. <laughs> I'll assume you don't. Is when you take one of your legs and you pass it in between your opponent's knee and hip. So essentially, you pass it over their quad from the outside to the inside. So right. as in, you know, if if you go over their quad towards their other leg. Right, opposed to if you you can pass it from the inside. So if my leg passed the quad, going over their quad, but away from my my foot's then going away from my opponent's body, that's fine. Right, but if it's going towards their body, towards their other leg, mm. that's considered a reap. So from outside to in, yeah. but from inside to out is, is okay. Sweet. So yeah. from outside to in, you would end up in depending in whether you're crossed. If you just assume we're not legs aren't crossed, you're in a saddle. 
Uh, well, yeah, you can still triangle your legs, right? Like if right. you like to cross your legs. But yeah, that position, leg reaping is essentially like the saddle or four one one honey hole. You know, it's you know, inside Sankaku has lots of stupid bloody names. Why mm. the one position needs so many names? I don't know, but it right. does. Uh, and there's plenty of rule sets that allow that, but you know. Lots of rule sets don't, especially at white belt, right? Which right. is what we're talking about. So why is it called? One thing I never really understood is when you refer to reaping, like can like if you're reaping the knee or something like that, is that different from just leg reap, or is it they're applying to the same thing? I'm just trying to like, uh, they're, yeah, that's synonymous, yeah, right, right? right? Like okay. when people talk about reaping, they're talking yep. about knee reap, knee which reap, is yeah. which is passing your foot or your leg from the outside. To the inside between over the quad, over yep. the quad and the and and the uh, hip. Yeah, but you can pass that that leg below their knee, right? Yeah, over the shin. Over and the that's shin. Fine. Okay. Yep. Uh, so that's that's one way, you know. But I, I want to before we go into any sort of specific kind of rules, I want to start with just a bit of a broader overview. So if anyone is like, this is a shit episode of this podcast. I, I just want the short version. Let me just give you a broad version because even as black belts, we often have to do the rules courses because not only do the rules change, but when you get into the scoring system of it and everything, and it's not only about when do you get disqualified, you're just wanting to learn the rules as a whole, mm. they can get super complicated as to would you award points there or not? Would that be an advantage for that guy or an advantage for the other dude? Or mm-hmm. do they both get an advantage? Like yeah, it can get questions when we get into that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, to give you a real simple advice as a white belt, well, firstly, yeah, you want to learn the rules. You want to learn the rules of the sport that you're participating in, mm. you know, be like – trying to play a game of soccer and you didn't learn that you're not allowed to touch the ball with your hands, right? You, <laughs> want to, you want to learn the rules. I don't mean so you can, you know, play the system and try to like find a loophole and win that way. No, but you just want to know that, oh man, if you did that, you would give your opponent two free points. So you don't want to do that. So obviously you want to have a good grasp of the rules as a whole. Uh, but general advice in line with what you said as a white belt yeah, pretty much don't attack the legs, right? Definitely understand what reaping is. Even though reaping can get complicated and this I'm not even going to try to describe through the podcast because I know when I teach it in the gym, physically people looks, yeah. are still like, huh? Yeah. Right? But because there are times you can reap and it won't get you disqualified. And that's when there's no weight on the, the when, Yeah, when foot, the, right? when when the, the foot leg, isn't trapped. That's right. When the foot when the leg that's being reaped, the foot of that leg is not deemed as trapped. Right. right? And there's different ways you can achieve that. And one of them is by loading up the other leg. And is another, by taking that foot off the ground yeah, or if your or opponent's already sitting down. Yeah. Or yeah. if both feet are in the air. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but as general advice, I would say as a white belt, learn what a reap is. And, you know, so you know that you're not allowed to do it. Okay. Or if you're an experienced white belt, you might learn, when you can, but as general advice, learn what reaping is, don't do it, right? You're not allowed to jump close guard, okay? That's very just basic advice for white belts. Right, and that is simply if you're standing with your opponent, you you grab your grips and you jump up above their hips and lock up a close guard. And it's essentially jumping up to, for a face-to-face piggyback. Right. <laughs> right? That's a good, yeah, a, a fronty back. A front- <laughs> 
<laughs> fronty back. That's it. All right, guys, we're doing fronty backs. <laughs> Go. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, yes, no attacking the legs and no reaping, right? Put those together. Mm-hmm. No jumping guard. And the other big one as generic advice is nothing that attacks the spine. And this is one that in a lot of jujitsu competitions, even the ones with the the more accommodating rules to kind of even the, the rule sets that are closer to the there are no rules rule sets, a lot of them don't allow this just for safety reasons. What's an example of attacking the spine? So one that's probably the, the more common one that people are probably aware of and heard the name is called a twister. That's been made famous by Eddie Bravo and a few people have hit it in the UFC because the UFC allows you to attack the spine, right? Like MMA, most MMA rule sets allow you to attack the spine, the spinal column, right? So, but in jujitsu, when, I mean, a white belt is not going to know what a twister is nor how to do one, you know, nine times out of 10. So the, the more common example of attacking the spine is slamming. Right, slamming is when you pick someone up and essentially power bomb them. Right, the same. Think for for Australian listeners. Think like in rugby league, you're not allowed to spike tackle someone. Mm. Right, or like spear tackle. Spear sorry, tackle, they call yeah. it. Yeah. Right, because you're essentially dropping someone on their head. That is considered attacking the spine. Right, because it's it's dangerous for the spinal column to slam someone onto the back of their head onto the mat. Right, and even if you slam them and their head didn't touch the mat because they landed flat on their back, like it, a slam's a slam, right? So as general advice, those are you know yes, you want to learn the rules as the best to your ability before going into a competition, but you have other things as a white belt doing your first competition that are going to stress you out. It's going to be hard to all these emotions and everything's going to be going on. You're going to be really struggling to learn all the little bit of things. It's just going to become you're going to do what's instinctual in the moment for that first competition. So as general advice, ignore the legs and reaping. Don't do that. Uh, don't uh, jump close guard and don't attack the spine as in slamming. Mm-hmm. That's, they would be the three biggest ways that you see white belts get DQ'd. Right. right we saw one of our members, Toby, who unfortunately got DQ'd because he went for a straight foot lock, which I know I said ignore the legs, but that is the only foot slash leg lock you're allowed to do at white belt. And he had it super tight, but in the process, he uh, committed the the mistake of a leg reap and he got disqualified. We've since rectified that issue for Toby, but... Um, now he's got a mean foot lock. I was in his super nasty foot lock. I was in his straight foot lock for like... Two minutes yesterday, actually, just battling, battling it out. How's the ankle? Oh, it's all good. It's not too bad. Sorry, the awkward yeah, silence. So <laughs> that was just like, like, <laughs> we thought it sounded like someone was about to, like the riot police were about to kick our yeah, door in. Someone knocked, the, knocked on the door very aggressively. <laughs> um, anyway, we'll cut this out. <laughs> yeah. no, no, we won't. I can be fucked. Um, yeah, so uh, ankle's fine. Uh, I think in, in that particular a scenario I was able to just to talk through the defense for those that don't know there's a couple of different ways and please correct me if I'm wrong here there's a couple of different ways to defend a straight foot lock but basically both of those ways are um, putting weight back on the foot either like standing up onto the foot that is being attacked and um, holding holding the grip of the person that's trying to attack your your leg 
And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's uh, yeah, multiple ways to defend it, but yeah, they're 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 two of the more the more common ways. Like I was saying though, those those would be the three main reasons that white belts get disqualified, right? There's obviously other ways you can get disqualified. So yeah, if you're if you haven't learnt the sort of the more finer points of the rule set, you might make multiple. Uh, infractions on minor fouls and then they accumulate until you get disqualified. Mm. I believe from memory it is um, the first one is a penalty. Right. The second one is another penalty and an advantage to your opponent. Oh, okay. The third one is another penalty and two points to your opponent. Oh. And the fourth one is disqualification. If you don't mind, I know there's probably a million of them, but can you talk us through some of the more common minor faults? Probably the most common one is stalling, right? So stalling being as in, Mm. depending on the position, the person who is in the better position in jiu-jitsu, again, going to depend on the rule set you're competing under but in IBJJF the person who is in the dominant position is the person who is obligated to to attack to push forward so for example if if you've got side control on me Mm. I have zero obligation to uh to fight so to speak to fight for the escape yeah so I can kind of just stay there by my time and if you just stay there holding me down doing nothing like it's not a wrestling match where you win by pinning me. Mm-hmm. Like the you will get the stalling warnings for not trying to progress, not so trying to. How would that to, happen? So the the ref will like like indicate to you and and make a hand gesture so the other refs and the scoring table people can see, and they'll they'll often say uh, they'll often give you a verbal warning because you might not be able to see them right. Yeah. So they'll give you a verbal warning, and if you're in a position to do should do so, they'll like just like gently tap you on the shoulder so you're aware. Right. And is that, sorry to keep interrupting, is that telling you you've just received a minor fault? Yes. Right. So you don't get a, hey, let's see some work first. No, it's not like the UFC Uh, where they're like, come on, man, I need to see you defending. Because I've had that happen. Like I I was in one of my matches, um, actually my most recent match when I was injured, um, I was doing stand-up with this guy and we were pretty much just hugging for two minutes straight. And the ref was like, come on, like, I want to yeah, see some so work. Yeah, so you would both – I mean, look, it, it, they might – you might have a more lenient ref. Yeah, I think that was the case. This was just like a local Sydney competition. If yeah. you were competing at, you know, like a bigger IBJJF event, yep. that shouldn't be the case. Yeah, where, they, where they're like, come on, guys, you know. Yeah. And obviously if it's kids division, refs are super lenient. Yeah, right? like junior white belt sort of thing. They're yeah, like, oh, come you know, on. Because uh, – Smaller competitions, you know, you want to stay safe. Mm. But, yeah, bigger competitions more by a more recognized federation, they're kind of a bit more strict with their rules. Makes sense. But, yeah, stalling is a super common one to see people get disqualified. But there's also other little reasons why you can get disqualified that might not be known. So (laughs) another minor fault you can get, and this was quite funny (laughs) when we watched it happen, was – Oh man, sorry, Olic, but you know, Olic <laughs> listens to this podcast. So, um, blue belt. Sorry, Bo. Yeah, Olic's a blue belt now. It was a white belt at the time, and it was his <laughs> first competition, I believe. And your first competition, you're, it's very hard to prepare for the adrenaline dump and how exhausted you get. And, you know, I pushed the guys in preparation for competition, but, and for people who have never competed, 
you can't fully prepare them for it until they compete. And like, and I remember everyone, everyone after the competition are like, oh, now like when I was complaining that the training was too hard, it wasn't hard enough because it was nothing compared to how tiring the comp was. And poor Olic, bro, he was so exhausted that he like couldn't tie his belt. And when the ref tells you to tie your belt, you get, I believe it's 20 seconds to tie your belt until you start receiving penalties. And Olic was like so exhausted. He couldn't even tie his belt, man. Mm. And, and like I remember it was myself. And were you there watching that or no? no there was no, me and there was – who else was it? Someone else who was there at the comp with me. We're just screaming. We're like, dude, tie your effing belt. Like what are you – man, like we're getting angry. Tie did your he, belt. Did he have the double belt as well? Yeah, dude, that's oh, right. It was so funny. So I they, fucking hate when I get the two belts. Yeah, like, I don't so like he it. had the two belts, right, which they give when you have the yeah. same color gi, right? So In they some can, competitions, AJP, they give it anyway they regardless. It anyway, yeah, right. it's a red belt. And uh, yeah, so he had the second belt and dude, it was so funny because the second belt was on, right? It had remained on. So he mm. just had to tie his belt. Mm. And then so like he like, you know, was trying to tie his belt and it was getting all mixed, you know, messed up. So he dropped it on the floor and then he like undid and took off oh, the second no. belt. And we're like, no bro, what are you doing? And then it was, so it was like back to square one and he was getting penalties and then points awarded to the other dude. The ref was just looking there like, bro, you know, and I mean, you know, it's funny now, but obviously he was at the point of, I mean, I don't know how many people listening have ever physically pushed themselves hard enough where you, you know, you know how like when you see marathon runners like collapse and they, mm. you know, they yeah, physically, physically failed just yeah. before the finish line. Yeah. yeah. You know, and Olic was like, he was super exhausted. It's not like he didn't want to tie his belt, yeah. you know, like he pushed super hard. Yeah. I prefer to see that than see him like tap and quit because he was tired. He pushed super hard. Yeah. Right. But yeah, you know, he was close to getting disqualified because he took too long to tie his belt. Damn. You know, there's other ways as well. You can get disqualified if you leave the mat area, right? Yeah. And one of the biggest ones, actually, this is another big one. You know, the title of this episode is How to Avoid Getting DQ'd as a White Belt. This is one that uh, you don't oft, you actually never see enforced unless it's at a big official competition, but you're not allowed to talk to the ref. Right. Ah, uh, yeah, I have heard that. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can talk to them as in when they usher you onto the mat. You can say like, hi or whatever. Yeah. And then after the match, like shake their hand and say, yeah. oh, thank you or whatnot. But you can't, you can't, you know, ask the ref questions as in, I don't know, whatever random question you could mm. potentially have. You can't in the middle of the fight, you know, signal to the ref like, hey, that should have been points or whatever. You can't do any of that business. The only time you could talk to the ref besides like at the start when you're greeting them or at the end when you're thanking them mm. is kind of if there was something, uh, I don't know, something like you got poked in the eye or an accidental like knee to the groin and, you know, that that is something that's an accidental thing and similar to in MMA or UFC, the fight stops, right? They really? Get, yeah, like the same as in that. MMA, right? You get so if I get, I get hit in the nuts real hard, I can signal to the ref, hey, I just got – Shot. Yeah, and I mean, look, if you got legitimately groin shot, he'll be able to tell, right? Because yeah. you'll be curled up in the fetal position. Right. But you get X amount of time. I can't remember how much time it is. So Same with an eye gouge, right? You'll get some time to recover because it's, it's an accidental thing that's if I outside get hit, of the rules. If I get hit in the nuts and I go, oh, fuck, and, and you know, 
react that way, is that me signaling technically I'm tapping? No, no, not nah, not for getting hit in the okay. groin. But if, yeah. if someone, say, is pulling on an armbar or something like that and I'm like, ah, and I scream out in pain, that's, that's, that's right. that that's counts as a verbal, verbal tap. tap. Yeah, yep, that's correct. I think that's something that we sort of need to clarify there because it is in the rule set that a verbal tap is anything screaming out in pain. So even, that's right. Yeah, so be careful. If you don't want to tap, if you want to let it break, you got to yeah, be you quiet gotta, about it. Yeah, you got to do it quietly, Yeah, fucking bitch. Yeah, no. suffer, suffer in <laughs> silence. Yeah, right. So – are there any other like minor faults that, that you think we should be aware of? Um, I'm trying to think of like the most the most common ones that I mm. see. What about or, fingers? Or another um, is another one is that you see sometimes sometimes you see yeah white belts wanting to sort of actually no they're not necessarily wanting to cheat the system but if we go back to leg reaping right. Mm. What will get you disqualified is so a common position for leg reaps to happen is single leg X, right? Mm-hmm. And let's say I'm in your single leg X guard. You know not to reap me. So your foot's sitting up on my hip. It's not going near my belly button or crossing over my quad. And then I push it across. So I essentially push your foot into a leg reap position. Mm-hmm. I essentially just disqualify myself because I, I put you in an illegal position. Right. You know, I can't like, it's kind of like, if I grabbed your hand and punched myself in the face with it and said, oh, ref, you punch me in the face, the ref would be like, you're a fucking idiot. You're yeah. disqualified yourself. Yeah. So that's something that you might see, you know, happen accidentally because the, the white belt on top doesn't, hasn't learned what leg reaping is and he's just trying to shove that leg out of the way, super common actually, and they turn one way and they push that leg and they start leg reaping themselves. But because they're the ones who force the person on the bottom into the leg reap, Right, that they disqualify themselves essentially. Right. So I think that goes back to where I said at the start that I I definitely think it's worth learning a what a leg reap is. Yeah. Right, and you don't have to go into in super deep into the the intricacies of leg reaping, but you definitely want to understand it a bit before you go compete. Yeah, that makes sense. So what are the rule sets around fingers, like grabbing someone's fingers? So you can grab the the I believe you can't grab you can't grab single digits, that's for sure. Okay. I think it's um it might be three or more that or it might even be the whole the whole all four fingers. The way that I teach it, just to avoid one injury and just avoid any sort of uh you know, gray area, is I say you can't grab the fingers, but you can grab the knuckles. So when I tell people to grab the hand, I'm saying grab the knuckles and bunch the fingers together. Right. Right? Almost like that discomfort that if someone's like squashing your knuckles together. That's totally fine. So question on that. If someone had a Kimura grip around your wrist, um, thumb over, thumb in, doesn't matter, and you you tried to peel their grip by grabbing all four fingers – uh, for those that aren't seeing the video version here, I'm trying to like uh, act this <laughs> like out a make bit. make a C grip. And yeah, peel make them a C back. grip on the ends of their fingers, all of them, and peel them off like that. Is that okay? Yeah, you could get away with it. You know, same with the thumb. If you grab like the meaty part of right. the thumb, you can peel that back, right? Because right, I know a lot of like grip breaks are reliant on like, uh, you know, pushing the ends of the fingers with the palm of your hand or something like that. Not necessarily like grabbing fingers on fingers, but like pushing your hand away. Yeah, that's a 
when it comes to grip brakes, that's uh, yeah, I'm actually not a hundred percent sure. That's one of the ones that I mean, I did my rules course only earlier this year, yeah, and they don't cover everything. Right, like, there's so many little details that you would need to know to actually be a ref at the worlds or something. And even the refs at the worlds make mistakes. That's something I would have to hundred percent clarify. Oh, when you're grip breaking, you know, if you're mm. trying to break the grip, like, can you, yeah, I'm actually not sure, but they do mention like, yeah, you can't grab yeah. single digits. You can't, you, what they actually say is you're not allowed to do any small joint manipulation. Small joint. So manipulation, small joints right. would be your, your fingers and knuckles and like your toes. Right. Right. Uh, every other joint is bigger than that. Right. And yeah. in terms of just because you, you went there, feet, what are some illegal submissions for below brown belt? Yeah, so the only one you can do is your straight foot lock. So you can't do toe holds, which are like the figure four lock okay. on the ankle. You can't do knee bars and you can't do any variation of a heel hook. Right. right? Uh that's for most most competitions, right? Wrist uh, locks? Are they legal at white belt? No. You can only right. do wrist locks at blue belt and up. Blue belt right? and up. Okay. Uh, in It's important to note as well that currently, as of 2021, right, there are, there's no competition that allows, even at black belt, that allows heel hooks in the gi, mm. right? So that's something worth noting, like, even IBJJF has finally come around and allowed heel hooks in nogi from brown belt. Although, funnily enough, it's only for the adult division. So if you're in masters, which is ages 30 and up. Really? Even at black belt, there's no more heel hooks, which I think is so stupid. Like I, I think it's the absolute dumbest logic because like, I mean, I guess it makes sense today because perhaps you're – you know, they've changed the rule today and you're already 40 years old fighting in masters. You might be like, oh man, I don't want to like have to deal with heel. Like my, man, my knees don't want to deal with that. that yeah. Shit, ah, no thanks. But in 10 years time, when you're, you know, you've competed, maybe let's say you got your black belt at 20 years old, right? And you've competed for a decade at black belt doing heel hooks because they're perfectly legal. And then you hit 30, you don't, automatically well you automatically qualify for masters you can compete in the adult division until you're 80 if you wanted to you'll be competing against 18 year olds but like you can okay like cyborg's a perfect example like he's like how old cyborg like 40 or something and yeah. still successfully wins at adult right but let's say then you turn 30 and you want to compete in masters divisions and all of a sudden like this submission and position is taken away from you i think it's stupid yeah anyway IBJJF has finally allowed heel hooks at brown and black belt adult divisions, but not in the gi, right? There's there's no competition rule set that I'm aware of that allows heel hooks in the gi. I'm not sure why. Maybe I assume maybe it's just, I don't know, the hard work to get out of a heel hook in the gi. I mean, they're hard to escape in no gi with the lack of friction and all the sweat. Mm. In the gi, I imagine it would be next to impossible to get out of a heel hook. And then you'd have guys like freaking Keenan Cornelius getting lapels and yeah, <laughs> wrapping maybe, up. You yeah, know, that's a good point because you have the introduction of lapels and I'm only just discovering, you know, how powerful lapels can be. I mentioned this to you yesterday off air. I think I'm I'm trying to improve my my lapel game because it's a tool there. It's a rope. Why not yeah. using it? And uh, I think it's something along those lines that I was watching a – Fix your game from Keenan. I, I think we spoke about that on um, on air actually. 
And yeah, so that makes perfect sense. If you wrap up a crazy fucking lapel tie onto a heel, yeah. man, you could do some serious damage. Imagine it'd go from it'll go from wrestlers dominating the no gi scene yeah. to rodeo clowns dominating the <laughs> gi scene. Just like I'm rope cows and sounds a wee boy. I done rope your ankles good. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. Yeah, but no, you've you've got a good point there with the the friction combined with the lapel. Dude, that'd be so hard yeah, to get out I'm, of. I'm kind of glad. I mean, I'm kind of glad that it's not allowed in gi. Funnily uh-huh. enough, I had a um Rob, what the guy that Predominantly trains no gear, I think, or previously trained no gear. He he had a heel hook grip on my ankle in the gear, right? And, and I was looking at him, and I was thinking to myself, okay, first of all, no, yeah, I, <laughs> there's two things here, bro. I, I'm not sure if it, it, if that was with you or it could it have been with, with someone else, with, but I remember yeah. seeing it. It was yeah. only the other day, and I was like, Rob, no heel hooks in the gear, even at black belt. You know, like yeah. it's a different sport, and you know? no heel hooks at white belt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I mean, put your head in, Rob. Yeah, I mean, anyway, if you. Yeah, some people will argue like, oh, but street fight, oh, whatever works, oh, but which isn't nah. Rob's case. I'm not yeah, saying that's nah, nah. his case, but you know, man, different different sport, different rule set. You know, I I kind of believe that gi and no gi are going in a direction of becoming two completely independent different sports. Mm. But yeah, like, you know, yeah, it's allowed in no gi, but it's not in the gi. You know, if you want to bitch about it, then don't don't train in the gi. Or yeah. where's the line? There's got to be rules somewhere. If you want to go train some no rules thing. Go sign up for a bare knuckle match that allows fish hooking and eye gouge. Off you yeah. go, right? Yeah, like- <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I mean, in terms of like, oh, so street fight, rah, 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 you fuck, show me like a high level jiu-jitsu practitioner that's going to opt for a heel hook in a street fight. Show me that person. Yeah, like, it's not happening. Yeah, I mean, the- I mean, maybe they they would do it out, of, you know, to prove a point or something, but not out of their own safety. Yeah. It's the yeah. last place I would want to be, wrapping yeah. up on a hill. Yeah, I know. People always make that argument, like, and it's so stupid. It's like, yeah, yeah. but man, what? A, if you fuck it up, those high level dudes first. can do that because they can do all the other shit too. Exactly, they and can you, do yeah. all the simple, like, yeah. whatever, like, technical stand up and run away yeah, to or, a high level. Except well. for Dylan Dennis. Yeah. <laughs> what a, yeah. Did you what, see the video where the Seco was like had his choked out by the security yeah, guard? Yeah, yeah. So for those that don't know, just Google Dylan Dennis, you'll see the video. Um basically high level black belt got taken out by a security guard. Yeah, because he was drunk and all like, yeah. Don't you know who I am? Yeah, and he was in like a it, he the security guard had full back mount on him with a rear naked choke and just yeah. You know, and he was tapping. Did you see him tap? He no, kept I didn't see Oh that. my god, it was so funny. There's no tapping in a street fight. Yeah, and the security guard had his feet crossed as well. <laughs> so it's like, like, and for those that don't know, if you don't know, you should know. But if you cross your feet, if you're on someone's back and you cross your feet in their lap, they have the easiest submission on you ever. And I believe you can actually do that at white belt too, and not get DQ'd. Oh, thank God. I good. believe you yeah. can. Yes. Yes. Good. Uh, I, I, hit I it actually on. haven't asked that specific question when I, I didn't when I did my rules course but yeah. I believe you can yeah for those that don't know what I'm talking about all you need to do is triangle your legs over the top of their crossed feet and pretty much Extend just fucking hips. hip yeah, into it actually is a heel hook right? yeah is yeah what, is what happens and it's the easiest sub you'll get and you got to be careful because this has happened to me before I hadn't even had my feet crossed but the person Crossed my feet, yeah. If that makes sense, to yeah. get the sub, and then I got something. I was like, "What the fuck? My yeah. feet weren't even crossed." Tear, tear, tear your ligaments in your ankles pretty quick, smart. Oh yeah, so it's be careful very, very painful. So just be very, very aware of that. And I get the, I get the new guys with it all the time. <laughs> all the time. They got to learn. They got to learn, bro. I kept asking the question, like, 
I remember asking you, uh, like whenever you would teach, this is like fucking, you know, first month of training where you would say, don't cross your feet. And I, w- I was the guy, oh, why? And now I see other guys do it. I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It actually reminds me of um, when my my dad is an ex-police officer and here in, here in Australia, back when my, my dad was first in the police force, the guns they used was a, like a six-shot revolver gun and they were taught to hold the gun a certain way, right? And then they transitioned over into what I still believe they use today, which are Glocks, yep. right? Which is one of those guns that has the the slide on the top that sort of hammers back yep. when, when you fire a shot. And the way you hold a revolver, or at least, you know, I know nothing about guns. I've never fired a gun in my life. Um, but from what- really? Why? Where would I have fired a gun? Oh, I'm no, actually no. That's a lie. Range? I fired a spud gun. Spud oh, gun. Spud BB guns. gun. I had a spud gun. Yeah, it's, it, those are the ones where you like smash Jam the it into, a into a potato. potato and and it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and when like the way that they were taught to hold the revolver, if you held a Glock the same way, when you fired a shot, the slide would like smash back into. Uh, like the bit of your hand in between your index and thumb. Like the webbing you know? there. Yeah, 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 like the little webbing bit of your your hand, right? And like everyone did, everyone who was going through the training did this, right? Because decades of holding a revolver the one yeah. way. And I remember like, <laughs> it makes me think of the crossing your feet thing because yeah. what my dad was telling the story that when the slide smashed back into his hand and like fully like cut, his hand and everything, yeah. the instructor's like, <laughs> you'll only do that once. Yeah, you know? <laughs> exactly. And it makes exactly. me think of like when you get caught with that yeah. crossing your feet, you get tapped by it. And yeah. whenever I see it, I'm like, <laughs> you'll only do that once. Exactly. You That's know? why I punish them as soon as they do it. So yeah. they, they remember. Because it's one thing to say, oh, hey, don't do it. And they're like, yeah, okay. But they just keep doing it, right? Because it's, you know, it, it's natural. You want to cross your feet, particularly if you're, you're used to close guard or whatever. So you you punish them. You you make sure you punish them. You make a point to, to punish them for it. Because that's how they learn. Listen Should, to me, fucking. If the talking like a black belt. If the name wasn't already taken, um, maybe you know we could call you the Punisher. That's, Punisher, yeah, it's already <laughs> taken. Fuck. You know, like the superhero, the Punisher. All oh, right, I pref- I prefer to be called the White Belt Matt Enforcer. The Matt Enforcer. No, we need a better nickname for you, like. Um, K-Dog, K-Bone. I get called K-Bone by K-Bone? Joey. Yeah, Does Joey. He? Joey and JT. I'm pretty sure it's Joey and JT. They call me K-Bone. Uh, yeah, it's Joey. He calls me K Bone, um, K Dog. I've gotten that one for a long. I call time. you Special K sometimes. Special K, I like yeah, that special one. Special K, a lot of K. Some people just call me K. Do they? Yeah, yeah. Not not many. You remind Probably. me of Mr. Mackie from South Park. Mr. Mackie, K. K. Don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what would if you could compete in a match, and hypothetically there was like. No DQing. How would you like to win your match? Oh man, fuck. Nah, nothing crazy. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have it. Like, what's? Are you asking how? What's the best way I would like to win? As in a submission? No, just well. For example, for me, yeah, go you on. know, it's like one of those things. I would never actually do it. Yeah, but it's kind of like one of those on your bucket list. Like, you know, if 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 I would love one day to, you know have some leather driving gloves like in movies and like take it off and like slap someone with a glove. (laughs) (laughs) Or I would also like to like, you know, slap someone with like of salmon. (laughs) This is not where I thought this was going. (laughs) 
So yeah, I would I never, no I would never do this, but you know, if if you could win a match <laughs> by like a rampage Jackson slam, that'd be cool. Yeah, I was thinking because some competitions allow slam. slamming. Yeah, uh, I who's number one doesn't, but eighty Polaris does. Oh wait, no. What does who's no Polaris? Is that was the one that was recently on? Yes, where that Polaris big dude does. was trying to slam and yeah. yeah. Who's number one doesn't? Polaris does, and the only reason I know Polaris does is because I saw Jeremy Skinner one of his matches. I think it was Polaris, but anyway, Jeremy Skinner. If you if you don't know who he is, listen to episode number thirty one. We had him on the the show. Very high level black belt competitor. He wrapped up a triangle on on his comp, um on his opponent. And the opponent picked him up to, to powerbomb him. And you saw Jeremy like just holding onto the triangle, like so high up in the air, like this tall dude and just looking around like, oh, fuck. Yeah. And he gets slammed. But, you know, to to the guy's credit, obviously slamming, you'd never do it in a gym. It's only allowed in very specific rule sets. So this guy clearly d- doesn't have practice on powerbombing people. Not yeah. that there's a particular yeah. art to it, but it wasn't very effective, right? Jeremy just you know put his arm out to break his fall and it actually helped him by locking up the triangle tighter. Yeah, yeah. The guy like put, forced himself into it and he got the sub very, very quickly. And I'm not defending, I'm not defending slamming, but usually those super fight events as well are yeah. on that sem- not sprung floor, but you know, they're built on that stage with a little bit yeah. of give yeah. opposed to your mats in the gym that even though they're soft right it's like usually on concrete well yeah that i think i was again i was talking to jeremy about this and for for matting right correct me if i'm wrong here but if you if you have matting on concrete it can still be very fucking hard so it's better to have some form of wood between it right so to have like the concrete then like a wood sort of platform and then your mats on top of that i'll show you when this is more just yeah, irrelevant to people listening, but I'll uh, I'll show you when we go to the gym. Out the the matting in in our gym is wooden floor, mm-hmm. and then a layer of carpet foam. Right, right, the foam that goes under carpet, a layer of carpet foam, and then the mats. Right, but there is one strip in the gym that's not wooden floor; that's concrete. There's one particular part of the gym where there's this strip of concrete that runs through the floor. I'll show you at the gym, and uh, once I point it out, you'll be, just stepping on it, you'll be able to feel the. Yeah, d- there I'm, you go. That's remember good. once I, you know, just happened to coincidentally take down someone I was rolling with there, and they just landed flat on their back, right on the strip of concrete part right. of the mat, and they were like, you know, you can when you know it's there, right? You you will see it's a little bit different. So Speaking there's there's lots of ways you can mat gyms, but yeah, if like if you were. Like a lot of gyms, they're not necessarily on hardwood floors. They're mm-hmm. usually on concrete. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you typically want to put like some extra eff- effort in. Yeah, you know, like carpet foam and then the mats. I've is been not to a gym really going to be enough. I've been to a gym that didn't really do that. They just have concrete and mats, and you can tell they're oh, hard. Oh, it's like rock hard. Yeah, Even if yeah. you've got soft mats, like it's hard. Yeah, there's because there's zero, zero give, give under there's it. Absolutely nothing. So you just have that give in the foam and and or, or the matting, and it's yeah. it's sweet fa. Like it's so one of the dangerous. And, uh, yeah, another way that people do it is they'll do like let's say it's going on concrete. They'll do carpet foam, then actual carpet obviously super cheap carpet, yep. then actual carpet and then the mats, right. you know, so and that gives you that essentially layers. like a second layer of, yeah. you know, or some gyms build like a whole wooden platform yeah. to go on top of the concrete. I think that's ideal, right, because so wood, wood gives, right? It has a little bit of give, yeah. Yeah, it springs, so yeah. you, it, it's going to absorb more of the, the shock. But I did have a question around um, DQing and takedowns because you just mentioned, you know, you yep. did a heavy takedown. When you do a, 
uh, a double leg or not even a double leg. More likely, this this more likely happens to me when I pick up the single, they wrap the guillotine, so I sh- switch to the double yep. and I go to turn yep. the corner. Yep. At what point is, is it slam? Yeah. Only if, only if that then turned into what rugby league would deem a spear tackle. Right. So right? if you just pick them up and they're 90 degrees and you – you slam them, slam them down to side control. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. Because I did that in a comp, um, and it—I'm not sure you were there, but I'm not. I, you were trying to watch two at the same time. Every time there's a comp, yeah. there's like so many of our dudes yeah. fighting at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Like, so oh, it was, it was oh. me and I think a blue belt or some, someone else. There was literally right next to each other. You, you were standing in the middle and shouting out. For, I think it was Anthony. You shouting out for Anthony. You shouting out for me. Blah blah. blah. You're going back and forth in between. I was like, I was listening. Um, and, and you and Anthony are like, which one of us did yeah, you yeah, love yeah, more? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and yeah, so I, I shot a double or something like that on this guy um, and just fucking dumped him. Just sent it. Oh, bro. mate. It was you so loud. You didn't get loud. DQ'd though. No, no, yeah. no, I didn't. And that's why I'm asking like, because at the time, obviously I didn't get DQ'd. We kept going, but I was, you know, reflecting on it. I'm like, oh, hang on a minute. And I, I do, I just have it on film. I've never published it because, you know, not to go into gritty detail, but the camera work, you know, the camera just turned on just before the slam. So I think it, but it wasn't quite on frame. So you don't really see it, but you can hear it. And um, it was, it was sick though. Felt good. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. dumping them. Yeah. And then everyone's like, yeah. the sort of one that people go, ooh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just fucking dump this kid. Um, he was really tough. He was really, really tough. It was my first, my first match of the day. So I think it just so happened that, you know, I got paired up with, a fucking machine and he would have done really, really well. Um, but yeah, yeah. End up getting yeah, it done. No, you're, you're good for that. Yeah. Uh, so I think the, the way to summarize all this that I, that I would like to say is obviously it seems very obvious. Learn the rule set of the comp that you're competing in because some competitions don't even classify it by belts, particularly some certain nogi competitions yeah, that like are submission. Beginner, yeah, they'll go beginner advanced. if you've trained for zero to two years, yep. you know, intermediate two to four, you know, yeah, yeah. and so it'll be different rules for that. Mm-hmm. Even inside more or less, you know, standard rules, they can change, okay? But as as a whole, for white belts, I would say, yeah, you can't really attack the legs for submissions and understand what reaping is. You're not allowed to jump close guard, okay? And you can't do anything that attacks the spine. So that would be slamming. Or another one actually is what's called spiking. So if, if, if you shot a single leg on me and your head was to the outside, I couldn't like grab your belt and oh, sit backwards right. and, and like spike your, your head into oh, the mat. Oh shit, I didn't know that. Okay, right. so if, if your head's to sweep. the inside, I can do that one where you sit under an overhead sweep as yeah. the counter to the single yeah, leg because yeah, your yeah. head's to the inside. But head to the out outside, you Don't can't you can't spike. That's, Just go for a guillotine. Go for a guillotine, yeah. right? So right. Leg, leg locks and reaping, understand that. No jumping guard and nothing that attacks the spine. The most common ones would be slamming and mm. and spiking, or or neck cranking. But that's a whole other like thing. Like a can opener. Yeah, you can right. opener. You're not allowed to. Do so those. for for those that don't know, uh, can opener. If you're in someone's closed guard and you reach down and pull on the back of their head and pull up their neck, like their their um, chin to chest almost, that's called a can opener. Yeah, that is illegal. Uh, if you have. I actually kind of right now at this particular moment, I wish we were like a radio station because I would be asking for callers. I'd be like, <laughs> want to, you know, if anyone wants to make a comment on uh, 
on the Instagram post for this episode or send us a DM. If anyone has any cool, funny, interesting, weird stories of when you've been DQ'd or had a friend de- being DQ'd, whether you should have been DQ'd or not DQ'd, yeah. any cool disqualification Bonus story. Bonus points for footage. <laughs> yeah, we'd love to hear about it. And, um, and yeah, if you send one in, we can give you a shout out. Yeah. If no one sends one in, we'll make one up. Yep. To make it seem like we have lots of listeners. I have a couple. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had two things to add that I just thought of as you're going through the summary, not like big DQ things, but minor things that white belts might not know. And I didn't until I was told um, by someone that said, Hey, make sure, you know, X is when you're competing in no gi, you need to wear a ranked rash guard. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah so 30%. I believe it's 30% of your rash guard needs to be the color of your belt. Yeah. So I was in a final in Nogi at uh, an AJP comp and the ref nearly DQ'd or like not let my opponent compete because he was wearing like, you know, one of those crazy black, you know, Yeah, they'll tell you to change it. And if you don't have another rash guard or something, like they'll they'll just, it's essentially like rocking up with the wrong uniform, you know, and they'll not let you. Yeah. Compete. That's why you see so many white belts at competitions. They don't know that, and they're all wearing their rash guards inside out. Yep. So, so they're so essentially white. white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this guy, um, you know, the the ref was like, oh, because it's the final, it's high profile. We have cameras around. He had to run over and talk to like the head uh, referee, and then came back. It's like, oh fuck it, just go. Um, I lost that by the yeah. way. But <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, this is bullshit. Yeah. I should have won by default. No, no, no. He was he was quite good. He he had a lot of experience on me at the time. Um, I would like to see him again, though. I want to rematch. <laughs> he's on your list. Yeah, he's the guy that triangled me. It's on my YouTube. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The, yeah. the guy on my – I think the video is titled, like, World's Longest Triangle, um, and I had a, like, funny little timer on there just to show how long I was in the triangle. Uh, he that's, – that's the same guy. I versed him in the finals in Nogi. Right, and, uh, he, right. he won on points. He didn't He didn't sub me. He won on points. So I was like – Didn't you get was, caught in a triangle right at the end of that match too? And then it ran out of time? Maybe. <laughs> Probably. It sounds like something I'll do. Yeah, man. Me and Triangle spit. You know, I don't mind them anymore. Like, neck minute, I get fucking caught in another one. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, if I can escape someone like Jonas, I think I, I can and escape most white belts, Triangles, yep. um, most of the time. But yeah, so ranked rash guard was the first one. And the second one is a very, very minor point. And it's not really a rule or anything. It's something that Jeremy Skinner pointed out to me when he was reviewing some of my match footage as sort of like a joke, but sort of serious uh, is to a little bit of advice to shake the referee's hand first before your opponent. Like, so one of my matches I was showing him, I ran out, shook the opponent's hand and then the referee. And he said, you know, it's general, like it's one of those unwritten courtesy things. Yeah. Shake the I mean, referee. that's not going to get you disqualified. No, 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 no. But if it like, you don't even have to shake the referee's hand. No, nah, but I would, because if it came down to ref decision, you know, yeah, you don't want to be, they want, you don't want them thinking you're a dick or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And I mean, if if you compete often, you'll see- Kieran slips him at 20 when he shakes <laughs> the ref's hand. In a wink. If you, if you compete often though, you'll start to, to see the, the same, same refs. The same like referees. in your local yeah. area. Yeah. Because yeah, it's usually and the same guys who ref. Exactly. And and, and all four competitions I've, I've done, I've seen the exact same guys, um, which is great because like, you know, it's not like you get to know them. They probably don't even recognize you unless you, you know, have a connection there. But like- you know, it's, it's familiar. And yeah. the more things that are familiar f- with you, for you, um, in your, when you're on the mats, the better. Yeah. So yeah, that's my, my hot take on, on rules and, and little tidbits. Yep. I like it. All right, guys. Well, we'll leave it there. Thanks for tuning in for episode 38. 
if you want to give us a follow, you can catch us on Beyond Jiu Jitsu underscore podcast. That is our Instagram. If you're feeling extra boss, you can head over to our Patreon. Uh, you could either just Google it or it's in our link tree mm-hmm. on Instagram. Otherwise, stay fresh, not Daisy Fresh, stay Hello Fresh. <laughs> Sponsoring this video, not video, podcast. Hello Fresh, get amongst it. See you later. <laughs>